there has been relatively silent on the media telecom channels and one can think how come to put it short it has been a drafting time what it means we shall explain in the next minutes and tell more about the first domain legal and ethical one to be analyzed for detecting risks and opportunities for media i am urmas loit the media telecom communication officer inviting you to follow me to the world of deliberative communication The drafting work refers to the theoretical preparations under Work Package 1 for the soon comparative analysis regarding deliberative communication. Let's recall the general outline of the Work Package 1 from the very first podcast episode by Professor Heilige Harreloit, the Media Telecom Project Coordinator. This is a theoretical background that should provide both conceptual and operational variables for comparative analysis as well as for modeling risks and opportunities. And now we can follow up and present the work package in more detail. Interalia, in plain language, but is a variable, a conceptual variable and operational variable. Conceptual variables are abstract constructs and operational variables describe how to measure risks and opportunities in practice. Part of the craft of social science is to find the right concepts and conceptions to carry out analysis. For the Media Delcom project, we need conceptual variables because concepts itself might be too neutral. We need to assess how certain concept supports or maybe perils deliberative communication. In order to analyze media-induced risks and opportunities to the deliberative communication, we need to define the conditions for deliberative communication in the first instance. And then the aim of the analysis is to find out how different aspects in real life are producing some kinds of risks or opportunities. And what is a risk? For example, the risk could be uh, the disbalance between access to information, which guarantees transparency and data protection, what is related to confidentiality. Another recollection we might employ tells us about the four domains Media Telecom is going in for. The domains, as to the hypothesis, create the most of risks and opportunities to be detected. A legal and ethical regulation is one domain and important frame for information culture. The second one is media-related competencies. We speak about the competences of journalists, but as well as competences of media consumers. The third domain is related to media usage patterns. The fourth domain is related to journalism, news production. From here, we are going to upgrade the subject with Professor Heilige Harreloit, 
we are going to introduce the domains in more detail. For today, we've chosen the legal and ethical domain. Why so? Legal and ethical domain provides a normative frame for other domains, journalism, media usage and uh, competency domain. It's also true that legal regulation and accountability system has been described already previously quite well. At the same time, this domain is important for the risk analysis especially, because we have to check first if there is legal basis for deliberative communication and then of course it's more even more important how the legal regulations is implemented in national contexts In this domain presentation, Markus Kretler is joining us from Dortmund Technical University, Germany, whose main focus has been on media accountability instruments, or in other words, self-regulation. Our domain of regulation on the whole is dealing with what the media, what journalists can or what they should do. This is dealing mainly with two questions. First, what can be published? So in legal terms, that would be freedom of expression. And second, how to gather the material to be published in legal terms, that is freedom of information. Now, liberal constitutions try not to interfere with what can be said or what can be published for very good reasons. And there are only few exceptions that are defined by law. But that doesn't mean that everything else is acceptable or helpful for society or from the perspective of media ethics. Um, and this is what, where media accountability actually comes into play. We are looking at non-state mechanisms that try to hold the media accountable to society, which is the society they are meant to work for. Ideally, media accountability is filling that relatively huge space that is free of legal regulation, but it can also be seen as a step ahead of a kind of legal interference. When media accountability instruments are working, legal action in that field is simply unnecessary, so that leaves this kind of freedom that is actually desirable. If we're looking at it historically, we see that institutions like, for example, voluntary press councils or ombudsmen were often an attempt to prevent external legal interference. For example, things like statutory institutions or state institutions that could govern what the media are supposed to do. So it can be a way to safeguard autonomy of the media. What that doesn't mean is that um, the realm of journalism or media ethics is necessarily narrower or stricter than the legal framework is. To give you an example, journalism ethics demand that journalistic sources are protected by the journalists, but panel laws, on the other hand, might require to identify those sources. The mechanisms of media accountability differ in each country context, so this is an important area of research within the Media Delcom project. And what we are trying to do here is to look at both agents within, but also outside journalism, to get a complete picture here. So if, if we are looking at media accountability mechanisms from a very narrow point of view, we are basically concentrating on journalistic agents and mechanisms that are in place inside journalism. But of course, the picture can be broadened 
to have a look at other agents that also play a role here. Now, if you think of um, some countries, in particularly in, in Northern Europe, where we have a very highly institutionalized framework of media self-regulation, media accountability, we are quickly thinking of things like press councils or established codes of ethics of ombudsmen that work either for the industry as a whole or for single media houses. But there could be other means as well, things like media critical coverage, both inside journalism, but also outside journalism that play an important role. The risk really lies in the mixture of uh, mechanisms in daily action. If you think of press councils again, a council to deal with audience complaints was introduced pretty early in the United Kingdom, for example, but it failed to be very stable in the long run. Um, so there other mechanisms could really come into play. The legal and accountability instrumentations partially overlap. For what reason, it's hard to keep them apart also in the coverage. The legal issues have been developed by our Greece team from Eliamep, the Hellenic Foundation for European and Foreign Policy, which is an independent non-profit think tank. Anna Kandila will speak. For identifying risks and opportunities for, for deliberative communication in the legal domain, we have chosen to follow a fundamental rights perspective. Fundamental rights do provide the necessary basis for the democratic process, for citizens to be able to take part in decision-making, to, to exercise control over decision-making in democracies. Fundamental rights then provide some consistency also when it comes to approaching the various legal areas. Within the framework of the Middle Income Project, we have um, decided to take free speech as backbone, but dissect the freedom to freely express opinions from the right to seek, receive and impart information. We single out freedom of expression as our, the first conceptual variable in the study of the legal domain and freedom of information as the second one. And while freedom of expression will cover through a set of operational variables that will be developed, aspects that are related to the freedom to express ideas, views and opinions, Freedom of information, this conceptual variable, we focus on elements specifically related to access to information. When it comes to assessing risk and opportunities, we will be based on two criteria. The first one is the existence of regulatory safeguards that create an enabling environment for the exercise of each of these freedoms in the countries that are covered by the project. And so we're not uh, merely interested in the existence of legal provision, but whether this provision is really creating conditions for uh, the exercise of these freedoms. And of course, international codes and conventions and other standards of good practice are relevant for, for in informing this evaluation. But assessing risk and opportunities is not a matter of evaluating, just a matter of evaluating the relevant legal codes. Sometimes we have things that look good on paper, but in practice uh, they're not uh, enforced. So rule implementation has important implications for, for freedom of expression and information. So our second uh, criterion focuses on, on the effective applications 
of rules and standards. So in assessing risk and opportunities, we try to take both dimensions into account and see how they interact and what the end result could be. I would like to ask Professor Halika Roloit, the Metatelcom Project Coordinator, to sum up today's communication. We are currently working with a, a theoretical and methodological approach. But this kind of risk and opportunities analysis is quite innovative. So I can say that we are using grounded approach. The next step is to test it against country case studies. And only then we can come back to the theory and improve also methodological consistency. So, we have three more domains to present in future podcast episodes. And the more the work develops, the more we will have reason to come back to these issues again. So far, stay tuned to hear us soon.